Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. <laughs> I think I met my match here. I have some people who have great facial expressions. I've never met them before through Mickey Mickelson. He found them for me, and I can't wait to introduce them to you. This is Radio Red in the house. It's almost the end of June. I can't believe it. We waited so long for 2022 after what we went through with 2019, 2020, 2021, and we're here, and I'm glad we're all here, and everybody looks healthy and alive, and I'm glad. This is my show about creativity. We just have fun. If you're just tuning in, it's just a party. We're not doing a deep dive interview or a Q&A or asking them 150 questions or doing a book review. We're just going to find out what creativity means to these three wonderful people. I'm just meeting them for the first time 12 minutes ago before the show, so we're all going to get to know them together. We're live streaming on Facebook. Everybody wave hello. Oh, there you are. There you are. Okay, I can see you all on my on my other screen now. There we are. Let me get this. There we go. And uh, we have a, a special guest listening. She's always listening. Her name is LLL. And on the count of three, I didn't rehearse my guest, but I think they can handle this. I, I have a feeling they have enough, enough expertise to do this. On the count of three, you're going to join me with, not too loud, because you don't want to shake up Josh's earphones, my engineer. Hello, Josh. Uh, so on the count of three, we're going to say hello, LLL, and then I'll tell you what it's all about. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. Josh, that had to be the best ever. I know I say that every week, but I think, Josh, if you agree, you're welcome to just chime in here for a second, even though you don't speak on the show. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listener. And Zonda, you like that? She's a real person. She's in Whitestone, New York, and I've been pretending to have a GoFundMe for her for five years now to raise money for her to go to London, Jennifer. I think LLL needs to be in London. And Miranda, Whitestone starts with a W, but we're still dealing with that. So I'm hoping one of these Day, she'll move to London. That'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most Laura listener in London. And that would just make a heck of a lot more sense. So here we are on Read My Lips, cool conversations with creatives. And yes, they are. Today is June 27th. It's the 178th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. And I always do a shout out and appreciation to Greg, Greggy, Gregor, whatever his mommy called him, because here we are so much after he was alive and we're still using his calendar. I mean, wouldn't we all like a legacy like that? right everybody people to be talking hundreds of years later i heard jennifer lieberman on read my lips radio she was great hundreds of years later who knows what people (laughs) will be doing then there are 187 days left in 2022 this is the 26th monday of the year and nobody gives a crap about that except me but inzandi's one of my guests inzandi the reason i give the number of days left is because we're all looking forward to the next New Year's Eve for a new year that we hope will be better. So if you're going to be brewing Kahlua in the sink in your garage, I'd start getting a good recipe now. If you're planning to brew whiskey or something that used to be prohibited in the backyard in a still, now's the time. If you're planning to buy something really wonderful from an online wine store or a liquor store somewhere, it's going to go really fast once we get past July 4th. So now's the time to get ready with your special <laughs> drink of choice for New Year's Eve. Miranda likes that. 
thing. You're all laughing at my jokes. I love you. Okay, so I, I'm going to tell you a little tiny bit about who my guests are, and then we're going to have each of them introduce themselves appropriately. So I'm calling these three out-of-the-box creatives because that's what I think they are. Jennifer Lieberman, wave your hand, Jennifer. Say hello. There she is. There she hello. is. The order of, of appearance of all of you is different on Facebook on my other monitor than it is here in front of me. It's interesting. So you're on my left in one screen and right on the other. Jennifer has acted in stage productions in Toronto. New York. Oh, it's supposed to be Toronto. Is that how you pronounce it? Toronto? Yes, I should know. I have a lot of Canadian friends. Toronto, New York City. We all say that the same way. LA, Europe, and Australia, including her solo show. You want to name the solo show? Year of the... Year of the Sled. Year of the Sled. See, I had to have her say, Miranda, wait till we get to you, and you're going to have to say that too. From which her Year of the What novel was adapted. So welcome, Jennifer. We're going to hear from you in a minute. Beautiful smile. We have Enzandi. Now, I'm, I'm confused because in your notes, you told me you want to be called Ace Antonio Hall, and here you are asking me to call you Enzandi. What's the preferred, what's the right name, Enzandi? I am Enzandi, formerly known as Ace Antonio Hall, so Enzandi. Okay, we can do that. And thank you for putting the pronunciation on the screen. He is a former, get this everyone, New York City Schools Director of Education. I applaud you and respect you because that ain't an easy job. I'm a product of the New York City Schools long ago and far away, and I know what that was like. He is a, <laughs> this is hard to hard to connect the dots here. He's a horror, thriller, thriller, horror novelist. He is the first person of African-American descent to win a Bram Stoker Award for superior achievement in his genre. Can't wait to hear from you. That's an achievement, and I want to know what motivated you to write horror books. Got to know that. I don't read them, but I, I have great respect for people who can handle that much. Ooh, I watch French detective shows on TV. I used to speak French very well, and now I just read the translations in English, and I hear what they say, and I'm trying to refresh my French. So there you go. And we have Miranda O. Oh, H, there she is, all smiley and happy. She's the author of the popular chick lit romance fiction comedy series. That's a lot of words for me to say, Miranda. How words. dare you? And what's the name of your series, Miranda? Chin Up, Tits Out. Better from her than from me. And she strives to find the positive in all things dark, deep, and dirty in a fun and twisted way. I like all of that. So thank you very much. I can't wait to hear how each of you got into what you do. That's what we're interested in. We want to know what does creativity mean to you? How did you get to do what you do? How did you decide to do what you do? How did something happen in your life that pushed you, motivated you, or maybe gave you permission to do what you do. So let's go on with the introductions. Jennifer Lieberman, so happy to meet you. I'm putting you on speaker view. Why don't you regale us with what is creativity all about and who is Jennifer Lieberman? Welcome, Jennifer. Hello, thanks so much for having me, Red. This is awesome. So I'm an actor who started writing and producing to give myself work because in the acting business, you don't have that much agency you're just um, kind of relying on other people to cast you or choose you. And I'm impatient. So I chose myself and I started creating my own projects. Um, my love for storytelling and performance started at the ripe old age of eight years old. I started writing episodes of Saved by the Bell because I wanted to be Zach Morris's girlfriend. So <laughs> I didn't know what fan fiction was at the time, but I was doing it. And that's kind of how my 
performance and storytelling career began. You gave yourself permission and you created this. So what did it become from the age of eight? Give us a little more chronology, please, Jennifer. What happened after eight? Because you're obviously a little older than eight now. So, and yeah. at eight, I don't think you were performing on stage in 15,000 countries. No, so. it, was just, it was just in my imagination. And, but I kept that, you know, childlike imaginative spirit and love of performance. By the time I was 12, I started writing my first screenplay that wasn't borrowing somebody else's characters and world. I didn't get into acting until I was in university. When I graduated from York, I didn't study acting in university. I studied it outside because my parents were like, oh, no, 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 that's not a career. (laughs) So I ended up graduating with a degree in philosophy and moved to New York City, determined come hell or high water to get into theater and just showed up with a duffel bag in a dream and made it happen. Was it hell or was it high water some days? I want to know. Oh, a little bit of both. It was it was hell in the high water. <laughs> and, and what is Year of the What about? It's a coming of age comedy about the first year after a girl's first major heartbreak. So it was loosely based on my life. I did it as a one woman show with each incarnation of the show. I took more liberties. It got a little further away from my life and more into the creative world. And then when I decided to adapt it into a novel, it took on a complete life of its own because I didn't have to make decisions based on what characters I could play and what I could do on stage within an hour and a half's time. Bravo. And I can tell you're Canadian because you say university, not college. And you don't say the university, right, Miranda? Right, Anzandi? She said, when I was at university, we don't say that here. I, I, I look for those little distinguishers. Do you say process, Jennifer, instead of process? It, you know, I, I use both. It kind of depends where I am. <laughs> I've been in Toronto for a while, so my accent is leaning more towards the Canadian accent these days. But I lived in the States for quite a while and was able to completely drop it because <laughs> my first two years in New York, anytime I an oot or a boot would come out, people hmm. pointed out to me. <laughs> Thank you. Very nice to meet you and and quite an interesting background. And we're very happy to have you. Let's go around to our gentleman on the panel and Zondi. I'm so happy to meet you. For people who are just listening on Voice America, this young man, I'm calling you young man. I have no idea. But if you're in education in New York, you must at least be more than 18 years old. He's got the most beautiful blue jacket with a satin lapel and a black, stunning black shirt underneath it. I hope I'm I hope I'm embarrassing you because you look stunning and I'm very flattered that you dressed up for my show. If you're on Facebook, you can see him. So there you go. And Zandi, would you please tell us who in the world are you and welcome? I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Radio Red. Um, Yeah, I was born in New York and uh, at the ripe old age of four years old, I was shipped down to Jacksonville, Florida, where I had my education and I was raised by a 70 year old woman. She took me when she was 70 and she was a school teacher up until she died at 102 years old. She taught school for 44 years. So I had the education in my genes. When I went back to school in New York, I uh, did what everyone thought I was gonna do. I did not go into education. I followed the footsteps of music and I had a degree in film, but somehow education pulled me in And uh, I started from the bottom as a substitute teacher. I was probably one of the best substitute teachers. 
uh, being a sponsor for the National Honor Society, putting my own money into a school paper that was the best in the district. And then when I finally became certified in New York, I taught at IS-231. And uh, I had already had under my belt uh, a social director of education. And then I became a director, a social director of education in uh, the Civil Learning Center in California, Los Angeles. Um, I fell into writing. I've always been creative my entire life. Even when I learned how to make biscuits from scratch and baking cakes, <laughs> I do it my own way, cheese, eggs. I just always did stuff my own way. <laughs> You know, just dabbed and dipped in, always did things a little differently. So I've always been creative and I've always loved horror. I've been enamored ever since I saw Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Um, I just love horror. And uh, I started writing horror when there was this big void in me to be really creative and to follow that path. And I left education and I started learning how to write. And it took me a few years, but I finally... Uh, you know, came out with a few novels and my first novel under my new name in Zondi, uh, because I was formerly known as Ace Antonio Hall, when I changed my actual real middle name, which is uh, African name in Zondi, that's when I won the Bram Stoker Award. And here I am, so happy to be here. Thanks for wow. having me. Well, thank you. I, I love the background. I'm still trying to connect the dots between being a leader in education and a really tough school system in New York. I, I applaud you for that. It, it's never, I'm a product of Bayside High School, of Junior High School 67 in Queens, of PS 98, which was at the Douglaston Railroad Station. You either know where I'm talking or you've heard of it, at least you, Jennifer wouldn't. Miranda, are you from New York, by the way? Nope, no clue. No. Okay, no. <laughs> so and Zandi and I are, are we're, we're you know we, we we get it. So I'm a product, and and Sarah Lawrence College, which was all girls back in the day, and not easy to get into, but they liked me anyway. So <laughs> something something about me, my dad's check must have helped. Anyway, no, it, he was wonderful. So um, my point is, you said you were enamored of of horror of that yeah. genre. Did you have to explain to anybody in Zandi, I'm going to write books that make people scared? Did you, Did anybody say, what are you doing? You know, you're a nice guy. You're a teacher. You're, you're doing newsletters. Was there a, a social transition you had to make to sell people, get off my back, I'm going to write this stuff? Just just briefly. I don't, I'm not doing an interview. I just want to know well, more. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I've met quite a few uh, comedians in my life. And when you see them on stage, they're funny, 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 but in real life, they're very dark. And I don't know, a lot of my horror friends are very chipper, but a lot of the dark side of the things that I went through in my life, a lot of the pain I went through in my life, you know, I was able to, to, uh, to uh, translate it into my, into my books. And it actually symbolizes a lot of different things that I've seen or experienced, you know, in my own life. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I've been working on my novella for six months now, and I lose interest from time to time. It's a scathing, a scathing satire that's also a murder mystery where there isn't really, but there could be, but it looks like there is. I might, I might talk to you about it. It's very interesting. I have to use a fake uh, nom de plume. Fake name. Uh, my fake name will be, I'm giving it away, something like a fluffy Cabernet. If you get the red, the red, I, I know, Miranda, I seriously. I keep telling people on the radio, that means I can't use that because if the people it's about find me, they'll kill me. So, and then you can have a horror novel, Nanzandi. You could write a, yeah, about my demise. So there, you and I will, will no, stay. No. 
We'll stay in touch. New York, New York. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. Miranda O, I want to know how you got that last name. I'm putting you on speaker view. Tell me everything about you, similar to the other two guests. Who are you? Why are you here? What does creativity mean to you? And how in the world did you name a chiclet series that? I'm committing to not say that word on the show the whole hour. Let's see how long I last. Miranda, I love you already. Go ahead. Welcome. You're up. Talk. Oh, I'm so excited uh, to be here. Thank you so much for for having me. I'm actually up in Canada in the prairies. I'm in Manitoba. So uh, I don't know anything about New York outside of what I learn about on on discussions or in discussions like this or if I read them more on TV. So it's probably not the most accurate representation, but that's okay. Um, we 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 live. It's been super hot here, and it gets super cold here in the winter time. And not a lot of people know where I live, so I live like right kind of in the boonies, um, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. But hey, that's okay. Um, so I wrote my first book of the Chin Up Tits Out series when I was twenty five. I think I published my first book and I had gone through some very colorful life events that had to do with immigration, um, racism, long distance relationships, um, and, and carnival rides and owning business. There were, there was a lot that happened in a very short period of time. And then all that stuff kind of blossomed into this opportunity to have a beautiful life and then we were we my my partner at the time was diagnosed with cancer and um, that really flipped our lives really quickly and led to me being left with no husband and a lot of debt from the cancer treatment and the medicines that were you know part of that and and through that we had discovered that my ex was mentally ill with bipolar and had addiction issues and um so you're not only i was 22 23 and in a cancer ward watching my husband at the time get you know poked and prodded with chemotherapy and radiation and medicine that I could not even begin to fathom to pronounce let alone afford if I was anywhere else but in Canada and um, one day he I, I came home from yoga and uh, he had a backpack and his passport and he was like I'm out of here. And I'm like, yo, where are we going? And he goes, no, I'm out of here by myself. And he gave me the ultimatum to either take a taxi to the airport or for me to drive him to the airport. And that was the last time I saw him. I was actually the last time I talked to him for quite some time. And uh, yeah, I I had to really build everything from, from scratch, not even from scratch. I was like six feet under financially. I was six feet under mentally, emotionally, um, in order for me to kind of actually accept what had happened. Mm -hmm. I, I had to go see a therapist. It was really ugly, but what was beautiful about it was this entire series came from all of that tragedy and the whole, hold your head held high, chin up, tits out, shoulders back, stand up tall. 
that is where that came from was that anytime we were faced with bad news, which was felt like constantly for years, because before cancer, again, we were long distance, we were immigration, there was racism, there was a lot of stuff that I was standing up like this, you know, given my what for to an immigration officer in Johannesburg, South Africa, and he has a machete and a machine gun. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me like this? I'm like, I have a right to be here. Like I was spicy. Um, it didn't get me anywhere, but it did get me the, these three books. And um, through writing, there was a lot of opportunity for healing. And when I started to learn about how important it is for self-reflection and self-love, I very much started to advocate for that, not only for myself, but for my, my readers, my network saying like, Hey, you know, this chin up tits out could be a mantra. It could be a version of a mantra. It could be fake it till you make it. It could be the power poses. It could be whatever you want it to be, but always remember that you got to kind of sit in your own dark stuff in order to find the light but it is so worth sitting in your own stuff in order to find the light because you do become a better person. And um, so that's kind of where it came from and it stemmed. And then now it's 10 years later and I have a beautiful family and I'm still writing about really tough stuff, but in a very good, you know, positive light. Um, and, and still creating, I work in the corporate world as well, which is stark opposite of my creative world, but I am a trainer and a speaker in my corporate world. So I sit in front of people on camera all day across Canada or go in classrooms across Canada and teach and train them on, on a bunch of various topics. So uh, I love being in front of people. I love telling my story. I love sharing, sharing is caring, but it definitely, if I can pass on golden nuggets to at least one person that's listening, then I feel like I've done my job right. Miranda. You're the real deal, lady. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing the story. Your your energy is boundless, I can tell. And I have a question for you. Chicklet romance novels. Okay. Who is your audience? For whom are you writing? Give me a just a quick three-sentence synopsis of what would one of the books be about? Would it be about a dark place for a girl somewhere and she falls in love? Tell me, what would it be about? Uh, great question. And when I wrote my books, I really had to create what that profile looked like in mm -hmm. order to keep my head straight. So I'm looking for somebody in their late twenties, early thirties, who's professionally driven and striving to find that person in their life, what, whatever that looks like, um, or whether they have that person or not. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the ideal reader, but I've had like an 80 year old man who lived in a church basement, love my books. And I have like 16 year old girls that their moms are buying these books for their girls and saying, Hey, like, don't do what she did. <laughs> Read the book and learn the lessons in the books versus learn the lessons in real life and, and the hard way. So it could be it could be anybody. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Well, I'm delighted to meet the three of you. And everybody say thank you to Mickey. Mickey Mickelson introduced you all and got you. He engaged you all for me. Everybody say thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you, thank you, Mickey. Mickey. And I, Mickey has been there for me on a couple of shows. He's come through with some really interesting people. And that's why I trusted him to bring me great creatives. And I consider you all already 
great creative. So thank you very much. Let's go to our opening quotes right now. And well, opening quotes, there was no closing quote. Let's start there. I've asked each of you to send me a quote from a fictional movie or TV character or a song lyric, something that reminds you or makes you think of or alludes to what creativity means in your life. And Jennifer Lieberman, I've got a quote from Dave Matthews. The song is funny the way it is. I didn't really know much about the history of Dave Matthews, but their 1994 label, uh, their major label debut album, Under the Table and Dreaming, was certified platinum only six times, okay? As of 2018, that's four years ago, Dave Matthews Band, which is also known as DMB, had sold more than 25 million concert tickets, tickets and a combined total of 38 million CDs and DVDs. Their album, Come Tomorrow, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. They were the first band to have seven consecutive studio albums debut at the peak of the charts. And they won the 1996 Grammy for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group for So Much to Say. So that's, I have to go back and listen to more Dave Matthews music because that's really cool beans. So here's the quote you picked from the song, Funny the Way It Is. Funny the way it is, not right or wrong, somebody's broken heart becomes your favorite song. I don't know whether to cry. What do you think, Enzandi? That kind of touches you, doesn't it? Jennifer, how did you find this quote and what does it mean for creativity? Talk to us, please. Well, I listened to Dave Matthews. I I enjoy the band. I've actually been to a few of their concerts. And yeah, that song, that quote from that song always just, you know, stuck with me. Um, Carrie Fisher has a version of it where she would say, take your broken heart and turn it into art. So the concept is, you know, it's been out there for a while as artists and it's what Miranda did. It's what I did. It's what Nzandi did. He put, you know, pain from his past into his horror. I took my broken hearted experience, made it into a show, then a, then a novel, Miranda. And I, and I think, you know, most creatives are highly emotional. It's hard to be creative when you're not emotional. And it's, and that's how, you know, Red, you, you mentioned you're, you're a painter, you have all these paintings, you know, whether it's, a, whether it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion, that's where we go yeah. um, to our, to our creative outlet, whether it's painting or writing or music or dance mm-hmm. or, you know, cooking as Nzandi was saying when he was little or younger, he'd, you know, make things from scratch. So that's definitely where I where I went um you know when I when I was eight and I started writing myself into Saved by the Bell episodes I was you know I was going through stuff like there was you know there was stuff going on at home there was illness and there was death and there were you know there were things like that going on and I would pick up a pen and that was my that was my healing and that was my um you know medicine I guess I didn't think of it. We talk about this show is all about creativity. And every week I have three or four people on and we talk about the seeds of creativity, what it means to them and what we're talking about today. And I I don't think I thought of it as coming from some sort, some source of pain that needed to be healed. I will tell you that recently my paintings have been coming out very dark and I'm, I'm choosing and I will paint Right. Yeah. I'm a, I started out with, well, the painting behind me is actually one of mine. That's an avatar. That's a caricature somebody made, an advertising agency did that years ago. But this is one of my early paintings, watercolors. And this was supposed to be a city. The 
at Voice America Radio, the artist at the time put the lips on it to me make read my lips. But you will see a series of, of splashes of color vertical. And what you see is lost earrings punched right into the canvas. Those are real earrings, Anzandi. Those are one left of pairs lost over the years of pierced earrings punched right through the canvas and attached on the back. And those were supposed to be people or something in the buildings. I was envisioning a city, but I switched to something called acrylic paint pouring about two years ago. And you don't paint with brushes and you pour, Miranda knows, you pour paint into egg cartons and you pour color onto a hump of color and then you dump it on the, or you pour it over. I'm picking up on somebody else's mic. I'm getting a lot of feedback here. Josh, we're getting some really, really weird sounds here. Um, and you pour it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay here on the side. And you pour it on the canvas and you tilt the canvas and let the paints run into each other. And I'm finding that sometimes all I want to do is take a, a phthalo blue, it's called, right out of the bottle, squiggle it over, take a, a kitchen spatula, use a spatula, use balloons filled with water, use string. You don't use brushes for this art. And I just take the blue and push it right over spatula it right over everything that's underneath and it comes out with a texture underneath the blue but the blue is dark and then I bought a, a set of bottles of different colored sparkles the kids call it goop it's it's like glue with sparkles in it and I'll make little windows for buildings or a sun or a moon or something over the dark but my paintings been coming out very dark recently and after listening to you Jennifer I think there's a message in there and Zandi <laughs> did you want to say something you, you were leaning in no no I no, I, I just was uh, very, you know, uh, enthralled in how, you, you know, you transfer it to that type of painting. Thank you very much. And it, it's so free. It's so freeing. And, and I save candy wrappers and I save the inside of cookie boxes and things, materials, and I'll cut little shapes out of tinfoil and things and, and glue them right onto the painting itself. And um, I, I have 200 paintings. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of selling my house and wait, wait till the stager comes and she's going to say, what? You've got 100 paintings on the wall and 100 in a box. What are we going to do? How are we going to sell your house? Well, you're going to sell it. That's the way it is. <laughs> so anyway, and I'll, I'm going to send you all. I create now art music videos. I'm working with a wonderful digital composer in France named Serge Hoffman. And he sends me music tracks and I put my art into iMovie and I put the Ken Burns effect and sometimes filters on it, 20 paintings with motion, and then we lay a music track, and we've done 12 of those, and we're now on a spatial.io virtual reality site that doesn't require a headset. I'll send you all links. I think you'll enjoy it. My nose is itching. I'm talking about myself. Let's go on with quotes. Thank you very much. Jennifer Enzandi has sent us a quote from Yoda, Jedi Grandmaster and leader of the Jedi Council, voiced by Frank Oz. I don't do good Frank Oz. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I always think that's a lisp word. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. 2000. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend anybody. 2005 American epic space opera film. Whoever thought of a space opera film, but that's what they call it. It's written and directed by George Lucas, of course, starring Ewan or Evan, however you pronounce it, McGregor, Natalie Portman, Hayden Christensen, Ian McDiarmid, Samuel L. Jackson. Who else would be in it? Christopher Lee, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, and Frank Oz, blah, blah, blah. Here's the quote. This is something I would have expected from Nzandi, and he came through. When you look at the dark side, careful you must be. For the dark side looks back. Oh, Anzandi, I'm scared. Yeah. How did you find this great quote? Like, surprise, surprise. Talk to us. Well, it, first of all, it's a quote that's in my upcoming novel that I'm writing now. 
um, which has to do with, uh, I can't use the word anti-heroes, but uh, my protagonists, um, they look on the dark side. So, um, but, you know, Jennifer can, can attribute to this as well. I mean, whenever you, in acting, you know, you do your, your study for the, uh, the, the character, if it's a really dark character and you really delve deep into that, sometimes you got to be careful. It really affects your life. We've seen it many, many times over. And it's the same thing when you're writing. You know, a lot of times when you're studying something, the dark arts, anything that's really on the other side, you know, you really do open up a door to, you know, uh, some ominous thoughts, let's say. And so I really resonate with that quote by Master Yoda. And Zandi, is your goal to scare people? What is the goal of a thriller horror novel? I really want to know. I'm asking an absolutely authentic question. What's your goal in writing that kind of a book? Yes, to scare people. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But I also want to entertain, you know, um, I've, I've evolved. And when I write now, um, the, the, the number one thing that I want to do is, is share human experiences. And I want people to relate to the characters as if they've gone through the same type of experiences that my characters have, the same pain, the same, you know, awkwardness, the same uh, self-doubt. And so I'm really more about crafting really uh, complex lives of each of my characters that my readers can relate to and be scared at the same time. <laughs> Very interesting. It's, it's a whole different mindset. I watch a lot of detective novels, as I mentioned, detective shows on TV, mostly French these days. They have some wonderfully clever shows. But I started watching Pieces of Her with Tony Collette just came out recently and there was a scene where the daughter it's very scary and there was a scene and mysterious and dark and there was a scene where the daughter was running in a rainstorm and her mother said take the car and go to here and there's money in the trunk and you're going to go out of, you're going to go to New York you're going to go to Canada and, the, and she finds passports anyway she's in this this attachment to her house the mother's house I'm not sure what it was but she's her phone or something flies out of her hand in the dark and it's pouring rain outside. She's supposed to get a, her bike. And all of a sudden, a man in a hoodie who's looking for the mother appears outside the window. I got so scared. I turned it off. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, scaredy cat, scaredy cat on board. I tell you, I got so scared. I, Jennifer knows. I said, I, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight if I, if I watch this anymore. I didn't go back to her for a couple of days. And what's interesting is that night, the frogs on the pond outside my, I live on a big pond. There are 20 houses around a big pond in the middle. And the frogs started singing at one o'clock in the morning. Rah, rah, rah. And they sat on my porch and they sang until three in the morning. And I thought, crap, I thought I was scared by pieces of her. And I got this chorus outside my bedroom. Anyway, that's another story. Thank you very much. Very interesting. You want to entertain, but you want people to be scared. Is there a scare? Is there a scared meter on your books where you have people write in and say, "What was the level of scare? Did you have to keep the light on all night, or did you need somebody to be in the room when you read this?" Do you ever think about that having a, a scaredy meter? That's a great idea. I'd love to do that. I love I'll charge you Can for I it. Take no. that idea. <laughs> you may. You may. You may buy one of my paintings. I'll give you that idea for free. No, I'm only teasing. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not selling them. I'm not for sale. Thank you, Enzandi. It is a good idea. What was your What was your scared level? Not one through five, but call a scared meter and have it go from green to blue to red to ah, orange. I love it. Like, okay, it's 
from me to you, my gift. Mickey, I did something real nice for him. Remember? <laughs> okay, there we go. Miranda has sent a quote from Rafiki, the old baboon with the mandrel markings, voiced by Robert Guillaume, was a wonderful voice. Simba, the young lion who grows up to become king of the Pride Lands, voiced by Matthew Broderick, the Lion King. I'm confused here. Was it Rafiki was Robert Guillaume, King of the Pride? Oh, Matthew Broderick was the later voice. The Lion King, 1994, American animated musical drama. You know, there was some controversy about that movie that it was too frightening for kids to go see it when it mm-hmm. came out. I remember that. It was a beautiful movie. And the, the follow-up movie as well, which I saw a couple of years ago. And here's the quote. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Oh, Miranda. Oh, oh, Miranda. I'm sorry. I really didn't mean that until I said, oh, Miranda. <laughs> Is oh your real last name, by the way? No, it's it's a pen name. Cause oh, Miranda. And tits don't go well in the same sentence on my resume. So I uh, had to keep that separate. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're up. Talk to me about your quote. Oh, you know what? I... <sighs> As much as I, okay, so I shared my story. So you have a little bit of background of the stuff that I went through in my early twenties. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Um, When I was going through it, I very much learned that you, what you, what you, you are, what you attract. So how you're feeling on the inside is really what's going to attract on the outside. Um, Whether you believe in the power of manifestation or the power of attraction or or whatever you want to call it, um, for me, it was true and it was happening. And I was this nervous wreck and all these terrible, chaotic, anxious things kept happening. And I learned that, you know what, you know what, I could I can take fault and say, or and take blame and hold myself accountable and say, Hey, maybe I got to change some things inside of me in order for the scenario outside to change. Or I could just turn it on everybody else and say, you know what? You're not a good person for me. And it's your fault that you messed up this chapter of my life. Um, funny, funny, funnily enough, it was very much learning this while dating post my separation after my, my ex-husband disappeared that I was just attracting these very interesting souls and they were not anywhere near where uh, what I wanted in life, but I, I had no idea why I was attracting these souls. And so instead of saying, Oh, you know, that person is crazy. Or I dated this person and they ended up crazy. So we had to like end it or this blew up. So that relationship ended. It was no, no, no. I take I'm starting to take responsibility for my own actions that I attracted this person into my life for some reason. And so, yeah, I could run away from my past and blame my ex-husband for disappearing. I could blame for some really interesting dating stories. I could blame for X, Y, Z, but on the alternative side, I can learn from it and go, okay, you know what, what were the red flags that I ignored? Yes. Did he wake up one morning and decide to hop on a plane? And it was, I blindsided me for sure. But were there a million red flags that I chose to ignore that I was too naive to see 
like XYZ, yes, there were a million red flags that led me to that, that day. And so I very much had to, with writing, it gave me the opportunity to really learn from my mistakes and go, you know what, this is just not what I want in my life. I don't want this type of relationship in my life. But then the question was, but what do you want in your, in your life? Right. So I can say, I don't want this all day, every day but what do I want? You know? So that's when I started this whole power of attraction and very much speaking and advocating and studying into that. And, uh, I Google searched how to, how to attract a perfect person. And I laugh because my partner and I have been together for only a short time, but it's the, the best connection and best partnership I've ever embarked on. And I wrote a list of 40 items and people were like, girl, please, you're getting picky. I said, no, no, they're characteristics and attributes that I not only want him to hold, but I hold myself accountable. So I don't want somebody with an eight figure bank account. I want somebody who is professionally driven and smart with money. I don't care if you work at a bus stop or in McDonald's or cleaning the street off the, or the garbage off the street. If you love what you do, you wake up every morning and you go to it with, with spirit and love and, and passion, then that's, that's checking that checkbox off. Um, and so it, it developed and it morphed over time. And, um, you know, then I learned, okay, when I'm starting to do this, you're starting to attract a whole new type of person. So the people that I started dating and bringing into my life, even my friends, the ones that were close to me were no longer close to me. These new ones were coming in and they were very different, but they all fit kind of within that list of things that, that characteristics and attributes that I felt that were important. And, and then lastly, having constructive, competent conversations and understanding that when you are having a competent conversation with somebody that you care about, whether it is your child, your parent, your partner, your coworkers, that there is, you, you have to take into consideration your environment right? That's a big thing. You don't talk about something embarrassing in front of other people. You don't talk about something that's private in public. Then it came down to like tone and inflection and body language. You know, if I'm talking about something that's sensitive, how would I want to be spoken to on this? Right? Yes. And so there was a lot, there was a lot of research and, and, and learning. So um, that's where, that's where that quote comes from. You got to learn. I love it. I love it. And it's true. And and I've made a list of what I love about this house and what I'm looking for in the next one. The have, the must-haves, the nice-to-haves, the don't-wants, the definitely can't deal with. And I've made that list on my own. And it's a house, a home is like a relationship, right? All, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's you. It's where you live. It's where you wake up. It's where you go to sleep. It's, it's a relationship with what you make into a home. So I, I identify with that. Thank you. I want to thank the three of you very much for the thought you put into picking your quotes. I really appreciate it. And I always learn a lot from, from the quotes. It's just fun to remember some of these movies and songs. So thank you all very much. I want to do a, a couple of very quick here, uh, this day in history. Some of it may or may not resonate with you, but I, I used to do the holidays of the day. I have this wacky holiday calendar and they were so crazy. It, it, it just, I decided to move away from that. So we're just going to have a couple holidays today, Monday, June 27th. It's decide to be married day. Does that resonate with anybody here? 
decide to be married? No, me neither. Me, me, no, no. I, I we, we, we chose. We're like we're married. We don't need to get married. But we're, there, we're gonna there be you go. Well, well, the last, the last scene, the last little tiny scene in a TV show called Deadly Tropics, which is a French detective show where two women, completely un, unlike each other, are are the commander and the captain who works with her. One is a crazy, nutty woman who gets everything done, and she's in the face of all the suspects and the perps. And the other one is very proper, very beautiful. Anyway, she she looks at this man and she says, "Yes, you." know how I like to date bad boys and I just met you and we've never slept together and all that. And she said, why don't we just get married? And it was the str- strangest ending to the last episode of season two. If you watch it, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm sorry that anyway. Spoiler. It, yeah. Like, like you're all going to watch it, but it was called Deadly Tropics. It's really, really fun. Really cool. Okay. Uh, it's also happy birthday to you day. I don't know. Is anybody having a birthday today or this month, June, July? No. Oh, you are? July yeah. 4th. Oh, Wow, fireworks are growing on. I'm going to say to you, I hope you have a, uh, I hope you have a sparkly fifth on the fourth. There you go. Okay. Thank okay, you. we got that. You're welcome. It's National Bingo Day today. Bingo! And it's National Ice Cream Cake Day. Anybody into ice cream? Remember the Carvel ice cream cake? Miranda, yes, you do. And well, Carvel's a New York chain. And it's Orange Blossom Day. I don't know what you do with that. It's here's one that's interesting. The last Monday in June is Please Take My Children to Work Day. I know you say that to the other spouse. Please take my children. I need a day off. I don't know who today, after working home and hybrid for two and a half, three years, your children are home and you're working there. So that's a non-starter. And it's sunglasses day. I know, I know. So on this day in music history, rock promoter Bill Graham closed the Fillmore East in New York after only three years on this day. And this is going to be a kick for all of you. 1976, John Lennon received his green card. Wow. I know. Where do I find this stuff? Well, it's here somewhere. The U.S. Department of Naturalization. In 1987, I want to dance with somebody. I want to dance with Whitney Houston reached number one on the Hot 100 list. On 1989, on this day, Tom Jones, we were talking about Elvis before in Graceland, before the show. Well, Tom Jones, talk about swiveling. Tom Jones received a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, and all those things. And in 2009, on this day in music history, Neil Young and Paul McCartney sang a duet of A Day in the Life in London's Hyde Park. That's all I have for you there. And let's see, in this day in history, oh, this is for our Canadian friends. In 1970, Festival Express opened in Toronto, Canada. Get this, The Grateful Dead, The Band, Janis Joplin, The Flying Burrito Brothers, is that a thing? Buddy Guy, The Great Speckled Bird, and Delaney and Bonnie and Friends crossed Canada together by train for five shows in three cities. That was 1970. Was anybody here on the panel born by then, 1970? No? Holy crap. Oh, my God. Okay. No, but I think my mother went to that show. Well, you tell her that it was it was today, and yes, it was also uh, the day. Wait, what did you ask? Did anybody what in nineteen seventy? Were you born? Were you born already in nineteen seventy? Oh yeah, I was oh. born in sixty six. Oh, we got a real person here on the panel with me. Thank you very much. Another real person. The rest of you go. You'll be quiet. Uh, also, it was. Um, let's see. Bruce, 1992 on this day, 57 channels and nothing on by Bruce Springsteen. It was a song peaked at number 68. I'm sure that means something to somebody. And the Denver Pop Festival opened. 50,000 people attended. 
Get this lineup. Frank Zappa, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Jimi Hendrix. The headline is Three Dog Night, Tim Buckley, Big Mama Thornton, Johnny Winter, Joe Cocker, and Poco at the Denver Pop Festival on this day in 1969. Give me me, uh, Buckley and Hendrix in the same day. Oh, my God. You were three years old. You, you're really, you're really pulling, pulling out the strings here. Uh, what I'd like to do is go back to a creativity statement from each of you. We've got about eight minutes left. So let's keep this really, really tight, about 90 seconds each. And then we'll give some websites where people can find you wonderful people. So I'm going to read a statement from you, Jennifer Lieberman. I'm looking at statement number one. You say, a creative career is like a one-sided relationship. You have to love it enough for the both of you. Oh, my that was brilliant. Jennifer, explain. Uh, give me two minutes. That'll do it. Go ahead. Well, basically, especially when you're starting out as a creative, before you hit your stride, you are putting a lot of time and energy, resources, money into your process before you get anything out of it. It can take years, decades, or maybe even never before you make your money back, let alone a profit, get recognition, get the success, get to work with people at the level you think you deserve to be working at. So basically, it has to be a labor of love or people don't stay in the game. I moved to New York. I got into a theater company when I was 20 years old. You know, years later, I can tell you I am one of the only ones who's still in the game. You know, as every year went by, people dropped off to go move back to their hometown and get a more stable job. And, you know, not everybody wants to hustle a side hustle while they're working for their passion. It's exhausting. And basically it, it you know, fortunately, I, I, I have had success. I've been able to make a living at this. I've been able to to stay with it. But it it was over a decade of me loving it enough for both of us. <laughs> I love the way you put that. Thank you. That was very, very interesting. Very creative, Jennifer. I appreciate it. I get similar statements from most of my guests every week. But once in a while, one really jumps out. And this was one of those. Nobody else take that the wrong way. And Zondi has sent me a statement, number one, that takes 15 minutes to read. But I'm going to go through it very quickly a little bit. He says, Living inspires my creativity, people watching, eavesdropping on conversations when I'm out and about, reading novels in my genre, indulging myself in horror films and TV programs, taking a wrong turn down a street and infusing everything in that environment, a story that's unique. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Give us, uh, we got just barely two minutes for you and then a tight two minutes for Miranda. Go ahead, Enzandi. What is this all about? You know, uh, one of my mentors is a... uh a writer for Marvel in DC, his name's Art Holcomb. And I took one of his classes once and he said, if you really wanna make your story unique, add your life to it. Like really everything that you experience in your life, somehow translate that into your story. And once I started doing that, I really started finding success in res- and I started resonating with where my characters were going and where my story is going. So really, when I turned down the wrong street and it was read my lips street, then read my lips would come into my, my novel, you know, and uh, just every little thing that I experienced, I started kind of, I, I met someone who uh, was from the South and they would have a can, they would have peanuts and pour Coca-Cola in their peanuts. And that's how they ate their peanuts. 
I thought that was the weirdest thing. And I found out that a lot of people from the South did that. That was just a, that's just the thing they do. That became something, you know, that one of my characters did. So I, my life is my inspiration. They say write about what you know. I'm doing that for this novel I've been novella I've been trying to. I'm at about twenty one thousand words. I don't know how much longer I'm gonna gonna. It, it's got to grab me more. I've got to get back into it. Maybe next week I'll. I'm gonna have Alexa remind me every day to write for an hour. That's what I do. <laughs> Quick question, Enzandi. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Do you know those words? Yeah, uh, I'm both. Okay, I'm both. all right. I, I'm, pa- an, I'm, an, I'm an extreme at both ends. I'm like. Mr. Opposite. I do I do everything at extremes. So Both of the ladies, you know what pantsers and plotters are? Okay, good. I sometimes have to explain that. That's why I think it's a British, British terms. Very interesting. And Miranda, oh, we have four minutes left. I'm giving you 90 seconds of it. You say, I'm most creative when I have a quiet space with few or no people around me, good music to vibe to, and a keyboard I can bang really hard on with a glass of wine nearby. Boy, you really wound that one up. Miranda, 90 seconds. I'm cutting you after that. Go ahead. Talk. That, that is okay. I think that when it comes to writing for me, uh, I need no distractions and a little bit of Jesus juice. <laughs> It, it just works for me. Good beats to tune out the extra voices in my head. That's what you got to do. Um, that's what works for me. It doesn't have to work for you, but it's worked for me. And I can hammer out a good eight hours of writing, but I, I let leave blood, sweat and tears on that keyboard. Oh. I like that very much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that we, we could have had a quote from Michael McDonald for that one. Okay. Let's wet into you. So I got the wrong band there. Okay. Anyway, let's go to around the table. Where can people find you? Let's do a quick website. Shameless promotion, but keep it really tight. Literally 15 seconds apiece. Jennifer Lieberman, where can people find you? Yearofthewhat.com and on social media at I am Jen Lieberman on all social media. J-E-N-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. Right? That's how you spell it. Good. Okay. Let's go to Enzandi. Where can people find you, sir? I have a brand new website coming up on my birthday on the 4th of July. And believe it or not, and I'm not going to tell you more than this, but the name of the website is Teenage Rockstar. Teenage Rockstar, one word, but R Rockstar with two R's. So R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-R. Dot com. Teenage rock star coming like, up in July. Like 4th. Ringo Starr, two R's. Very interesting. I like that. Miranda, where can people find you? You can find me at MirandaO.com or just type in Miranda O on all social media platforms and I'm there. And, and O is O-H. M-I-R-A-N-D-A-O-H.com. Thank you all. Stick around. I'm going to take some more pictures, but I have to do thank you to Josh, our engineer. Everybody say thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Everybody loves you. And here are my closing words. I got to do this real fast. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the only way. Love, right, Miranda? Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody laugh uncontrollably with me on the count of three. One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) And Zondi, I'm waiting for your laugh. Come on. (laughs) That's better. And never, ever, ever regret anything that made you smile. And final closing, work like you don't need the money because even if you do, 
Nobody really cares. Just get the job done right. Doesn't matter whether you're sweeping up or whether you're creating something high end. Do it with passion and do it well. Dance like no one's watching, but everybody did when I was teaching dancing. Sing like nobody's listening. I didn't sing once on the show. Aren't you all lucky? And love like you've never been hurt because we all have. Get past it. Get over it. Work around it. Heart will regenerate. Your heart will come back and grow and find new love. Let it go and do its thing. Money talks, chocolate sings, and last but not least, I stole this line from somebody thank you for turning me on radio red over and out thanks again for tuning in to read my lips radio presented by the voice america variety channel tweet your questions and comments to at radio red 777 join host aka radio red again next monday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern on the voice america empowerment channel We wish you a positively cool, creative week.